You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to the Lockdown Kentucky Podcast. We bring you info and insights on UK football and basketball. Stay informed by making us part of your daily routine. Listen and follow for free on Apple or Google Podcast. Simply subscribe to Lockdown Kentucky. I'm Dan Reefer with Fox 56. Normally, Kyle Tucker of The Athletic joins me. He is out sick today, but I've got plenty for you. I mean, packed full. Honestly, if Kyle was on here, all he would do is take up more time for uh, for me to talk. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Kyle would have some. Uh, he would have some great insights on some of the stuff we're talking about. I mean, he would definitely have something uh, to say, and uh, quite possibly some insights, some stuff to add from what he's heard on the UK front. And what I'm talking about are three major topics that we're going to discuss on today's podcast. Number one, Rick Pitino uh, talking about the NCAA basketball season starting later, like in January. What he tweeted, we'll discuss that coming up here. Also, football players who are questioning whether or not they should be playing. An Illinois player, an Arizona player, uh, and then Arizona's, the University of Arizona responded with action. Uh, Illinois responded with action. Uh, The state of Tennessee, as in regards to high school football, has taken further action. All of this uh, regarding COVID-19, coronavirus cases, and and how it's affecting football. So I'm just going to give you a bunch of information on what's going on out there, and then you can kind of think about it for yourself on what you think may happen over the next four to eight weeks. Also, name, image, and likeness Senate hearing today. That happened today uh, in Washington. Greg Sankey, the SEC commissioner, was there on hand, uh, taking part as one of the guests who was being uh, questioned by the Senate committee. Uh, a lot of, that came out of that we'll discuss uh, in the last segment here. But let's let's begin with a bear on UK's campus. I mean, I have seen living in Kentucky. I have seen you know bears reported in my home county of Whitley County. Uh, I've seen them reported. Uh, in Danville. Danville's probably the closest I've ever heard of a bear being reported in central Kentucky to Lexington. Now to have one in Lexington, I mean, where I live, uh, I can go five minutes and be in a rural area, like five minutes to be in a rural area. And I live probably five minutes from downtown Lexington. So Lexington is unique that within five to 10 minutes, uh, depending on what part of town you live in, you can be in a rural area. Most of it's horse farms, though. So, so I'm not sure I fully understand how a bear makes its way to Lexington. But a bear was spotted on UK's campus. We're not even talking about a bear being spotted on a horse farm, which, by the way, if a bear was spotted on a horse farm, I am sure they would take care of that bear quickly <laughs> uh, to, to avoid losing million-dollar products, uh, horse flesh out there in the field. Uh, but UK police received a call about a bear on campus around 3.50 this morning, Wednesday morning, just before 4 o'clock this morning. And the caller actually took a video, which you can see if you go on Twitter, you go, go on Fox 56's uh, follow Kristen Flum. She has video of it up there posted. Uh, it shows the bear trotting along in front of Kentucky Clinic near UK Hospital. 
So the UK police worked with Lexington police to search for the bear and could not find it. This is not the first time the bear had been spotted in Lexington. I don't know how I missed this, but apparently the bear was previously spotted in the Southland Drive area by Animal Control and Care uh, recently. Now, the Kentucky Fish and Wildlife, they say they've been aware of the bear uh, in Lexington for weeks. Their plan, what are they going to do to make sure this bear uh, is not in Lexington, drive, you know, running around Nicholasville Road at five o'clock in the afternoon? What is their plan to, to make sure this bear uh, does not show up on your back porch? Leave it alone. Kentucky Fish and Wildlife Department says their plan is to leave the bear alone unless it becomes a serious threat. And they tell you, don't feed it. It's illegal. If you're caught feeding it, you can get fined. I mean, seems to me Kentucky Fish and Wildlife should be actively looking for this bear to get it into a habitat that is not urban. Like, that's not a good place for a bear to be. Nothing but trouble. It's going to get run over by a truck. Uh, it's going to snatch a baby or a dog. I mean, there are so many possibilities of things that can go wrong with a real live bear on the loose in Lexington. Yeah, it's different if it's in, like I said, Whitley County out, you know, it'll find its way back up to the holler, back up onto a mountain. Uh, we don't have a mountain for the bear to run to in Lexington. <laughs> Seems to me they should jump on this thing. Get with it. All right, moving on from the bear. Some big news out of the biggest news out of Lexington on Wednesday, I would say, is Terry Wilson's tweet of him sprinting, sprinting full out. His teammate, UK running back AJ Rose, uh, quoted the video tweet of Terry Wilson running and put in there himself. AJ Rose tweeted, 20 miles per hour, he ain't lost a step. When you see the video, it's apparent that Terry Wilson's knee is 100%. Either both legs are moving equally as fast. There is no favoring of one leg or the other. And he looks he looks good running. So that is great news for Kentucky football. Because if, if the football season is to be played, uh, we're talking about here in just a couple more weeks, there will be a six-week kind of training camp. The training camp really will be more like four weeks like normal, but the, the six weeks, the extra two weeks, is uh, where the coaches are actually allowed to, to supervise, interact, to – it's not voluntary workouts. It's organized workouts by the team, kind of to make up for not having a spring practice and not being there on campus all summer. So that is big. If Terry Wilson's going to start that opener against Eastern Michigan on September the 3rd, Thursday night, Thursday night football on the SEC Network, or we believe it's night game. They haven't announced the exact time, but we do know the SEC Network will have it. And then one more thing uh, to get to before we take a break is uh, John Calipari tweeting out a video pushing for folks to wear a mask. He comes on and he starts the video by saying, I'm ready for basketball and I'm ready for students to get back on campus. But you have to wear a mask. So he really uh, campaigns there about the importance of wearing a mask. And you know, this week, this last, I don't know, five days, we've seen so many 
spikes in cases across the country and so much, um, you know, some people in positions of power who previously kind of poo-pooed the idea of wearing a mask or, or didn't come out strongly for it have now started to do that. I mean, that ought to tell you something. People who were reluctant, people in power who were reluctant to say wear a mask for political reasons, most likely, uh, are now saying, go ahead and wear a mask. I'm just saying that ought to tell you something. All right, when we return here on Locked On Kentucky, Rick Patino, what he says the NCAA should do regarding the college basketball season in light of the coronavirus. When we return here on Locked On Kentucky. You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. Back here on Locked On Kentucky and Rick Patino on Wednesday, he tweeted out, quote, suggestion to the NCAA, push the start of the season back to January and only play league games, buy some more time for a vaccine and get things to get things under control. Although I can't wait to be back on the sidelines, the health of my players and staff is what's really important. So Rick Pitino saying he thinks, wait till January. Not a bad idea. Uh, I've seen a lot of people say it makes sense. Jeff Goodman, uh, longtime college basketball reporter, I believe he's now a stadium. He tweeted out that this is an option he's hearing more and more from coaches. And he says, makes sense. Well, yeah, it kind of does. You wait till January. Uh, there are reports out there about vaccines and what phases they are in. And the January is, seems like maybe the soonest we would have a vaccine. It, anyway, from stuff I've read and seen. And then, you know, another six months to get the spread of the virus under control again. We've seen states start to like roll back the reopening, start go back to locking down certain businesses. You know, hopefully that makes a difference. Here's the difference though, I think, because I mean, given Rick Pitino's track record and his history, it is hard to take what he says sincerely. Like it's, he's just, he's earned the right to be taken cynically, like to be viewed what he says through a cynical lens, which is what I do when I hear what he says, you know, because he's made such crazy comments over the years. It's a little, would he be saying this? My, in my opinion, would he be saying this if he were still the head coach at Louisville, like no scandals had happened or anything. And he was still the head coach at Louisville. Would he be saying the exact same thing? Because it's different for Louisville. He's the head coach at Iona. Iona plays in the in the MAC, the MAAC, which has a 20-game league schedule and had seven non-conference games last season. So we're talking about a season starting in January for Iona and playing 20 games all against your league. Now, seven non-conference games last season for Iona? Think about Kentucky. Kentucky plays an SEC schedule of... 18 games last season. Kentucky had 13 non-conference games. So, so what would that mean if you didn't play, you know, a non-conference schedule at all? Well, let's just look at 
Iona's um, basketball, their their basketball schedule from last season for like who their non-conference games were. Because the argument would be for Kentucky is that you lose an opportunity to make a name for yourself or build your resume. So Iona played Connecticut and Colorado. Had, you know, Iona beaten Colorado, had Iona beaten Connecticut, and then did well in their conference, like, you know, what finished second or won the regular season, didn't win the conference tournament, then maybe they have a case of an at-large bid, you know, if they don't get win the conference tournament and get it. So it could hurt them a little bit, but they, they got blown out in those games. So would they have a non-conference game of the ilk that Kentucky would have opening up against Kansas and then playing Notre Dame and then UCLA and Louisville and Georgia Tech plus the SEC Big 12 challenge game. No, it's a little different for Iona. It just is. We saw Kentucky get punished this past season for playing in the SEC because they were just saying the SEC was not uh, a good conference and you weren't able to get those quality wins in the net rankings. So you think about those that affect on the net rankings. If Kentucky only plays SEC opponents, of course it'll be the same for the ACC and everybody else, but the ACC is already seen as a great conference with you know Duke and North Carolina and uh, Louisville, Florida State. You know, so there will there will be so much more bias based on the conference's history, based on last year even maybe, because you're not playing another conference. You can't judge against one another. Is it a bigger deal for a Louisville or a Kentucky? Yeah, I think so. Than it is for an Iona. I mean, you're looking at especially TV contracts. I mean, look at the TV contracts. The Kansas game is called the State Farm Champions Classic, and it is specifically made for ESPN to open the season. That's what it's there for. ESPN is why Kentucky plays that game, plays in the Champions Classic. The SEC Big 12 Challenge, that is an ESPN creation. They created that to put on television. The UCLA game is called the CBS Sports Classic. That is specifically created for CBS to play that game. So that's television contract money right there you're talking about. Well, the CBS Sports Classic, the SEC Big 12 Challenge, and the Champions Classic, those are all non-conference games that would not get played if you only played a conference schedule beginning in January of, of 18 games for the SEC. And that's another thing. Not everybody plays uniform number of conference games. Like I mentioned, the, the MAC, Iona, plays 20 conference games. Well, then, of course, you would also have the conference schedule. It, it doesn't sound all that bad to me. It's just we we definitely need to wait, you know, a little bit longer. Let's see how things play out. Let's see what it looks like in November when when basketball season is set to start. I mean, that gives us a little more time to see what could possibly happen. I would rather play with no fans in the non-conference and then play the conference schedule than I would just play the conference schedule with or without fans because of what it would mean for March and how it would uh, affect 
the whole of the college basketball season. Because March is going to be weird if everyone just plays a conference schedule. By the way, the Ivy League is considering starting football season in April, like next April. They're thinking about playing seven games against conference opponents only or possibly start in late September. And the Ivy League tweeted out that a final decision will be announced next Wednesday, July 8th, on what they're going to do. What if the Ivy League announces that it is going to play football beginning in April and only conference games? What if the Ivy League announces that? What kind of effect does that have? You look at what Morehouse did, deciding to cancel its football season. Now, Morehouse is not Division I. Ivy League is not you know, on that level uh, with the Power Five or, or even the uh, Group of Six. Is that what it's called? Anyway, Morehouse, the president there, he played football. He actually competed in basketball overseas. And he said, how can we go forward with a season given what we know about the virus and think we won't accelerate transmission? That is the president of Morehouse College in Atlanta talking to Ross Dellinger of Sports Illustrated. Ross Dellinger has an article that takes a deep dive on this on SI.com. And in it, he exposes a lot of things that makes you see this a little bit bigger. Morehouse, by the way, is in the SIAC, the Southern Intercollegiate Athletic Conference, which is the same as Kentucky State. And the conference, the SIAC, is expected to make a league-wide ruling on the season this week. That, according to the article in SI.com by Ross Dellinger. Now, the president of Clark Atlanta, also in the SIAC, his name is George French. He is also the SIAC Council of Presidents Chairman. That's the people who, will, you know, the, the Council of Presidents or the people who will be deciding whether or not the SIAC has a football season. So that man said, quote, it doesn't make sense to me to have a football season this year for any school with the virus rates going up. I mean, we're talking about, we may hear this week that the SIAC is canceling football. You're talking about Morehouse, uh, I believe Tuskegee's in there, Clark Atlanta, uh, Kentucky State, obviously, I mentioned. And one of the other things the Morehouse president said is he was looking at $100 per test. Because he said, we got to test our players. And the cost to test each player before each home game over the course of the season would be $30,000. Well, Morehouse football doesn't make money. It loses money. Like it's not a revenue generating sport because they don't, they don't have that kind of attendance. They don't have those kind of, you know, TV rights, all that stuff. So you can't add costs and you're losing attendance because of this virus. You're not going to be able to sell out your stadium. If you're Morehouse, this is the last thing from that Morehouse, uh, article on Morehouse canceling its season that I'll read to you is Ken Rashad, editor and publisher of HBCUsports.com. And this, again, is from the Ross Dillinger article on SI.com. He says, a false narrative exists that the pandemic has so financially impacted black colleges that they cannot function. It's just not true. No HBCU has returned to voluntary workouts because of safety reasons, not financial. 
given the situation with the pandemic and we're seeing an uptick in positive results, we still have institutions calling in these athletes and in some cases asking them to sign waivers, Rashad said. You don't see HBCUs doing this. It's a testament to them that they truly have in mind the safety of the student athletes first and foremost. I would agree with that. I mean, this Morehouse College president, he's made a bold move and he plays football or he played football. He played sports. He knows, you know, the gravity of of that decision. And then you heard asking them to sign waivers like Ohio State. We're going to get to that in a minute. That came up in the Senate hearing on Wednesday. Uh, But further along these lines of football, University of Arizona president, he said last week that the campus wouldn't reopen under current COVID-19 conditions with cases and hospitalizations on the rise. Now, a response to that on Tuesday, but that statement, now that statement was made last week, Tuesday, which would be yesterday as I'm talking to you, Arizona defensive back Malik Hausman retweeted that and said, so why me and my team on campus then? Well, the University of Arizona responded today or yesterday. They responded the same day. Not necessarily straight to that, but said, we're going to pause our athletics re-entry plan. Now, 83 football players have returned to campus, Arizona's campus, for voluntary workouts with only one testing positive for COVID since June 15th. So it's going well in the bubble, the University of Arizona bubble. There are lots of rising numbers in Tucson and the rest of Arizona. But in this football bubble, according to what they've made available, made public, And according to ArizonaCentral.com, azcentral.com, they've only had one player test positive since June 15th. The University of Arizona AD said they're doing it out of an abundance of caution. The health, safety, and well-being of all members of our community is our number one priority. Okay, so you think that Arizona defensive back, Malik Hausman, he affected change, right? (laughs) Well, today, the athletic director for Arizona uh, clarified his statement or his comments, and said the players will continue to work out. Uh, The players that are already on campus, I'm confident, quote, confident in re-entry plan and processes in place for players already on campus. It's just not appropriate to expand that group. So the 83 football players who are already on campus, they're going to continue to work out because they feel like it's gone well. We just don't want to expand it. The expansion would be, Uh, University of Arizona football newcomers like freshmen and other newcomers scheduled to arrive next Monday. That's not going to happen now. Soccer and volleyball players also set to arrive later this month. Not anymore. Not right now. That is that is what they're pausing. And the Arizona governor on Monday, he just shut down bars, gyms and other businesses for at least 30 days. They had reopened those. Now they're shut down for another 30 days. Here's another player speaking out. Illinois linebacker Milo Eifler tweeted, I understand that people want to see us play this season, but in reality, how can a team full of 100-plus student-athletes fully function during a pandemic? Trust, my teammates and I want to play, but schools around the country are showing blatant disregard for student-athletes. You might have heard about Clemson, 37 players, the last total I saw, tested positive for COVID-19. LSU had to suspend workouts because of a spread there. Well, this Illinois linebacker, Milo Eifler, he was scheduled to speak to the media today at two o'clock on a Zoom Zoom call with the media. 
Brandon Marcello tweeted out that Illinois said, quote, we are postponing Milo Eifler's Zoom interview until a later date. We are taking this time to learn about Milo's concerns expressed on Twitter. So Illinois is silencing that player. They're not going to allow him to continue to say these types of things without, uh, you know, reining him in a little bit first, or at least talking to him to find out uh, how he real really feels and how the rest of the players feel about all this. Remember, uh, in a different way, on a different topic, racism, Chuba Hubbard at Oklahoma State. I mean, these these athletes are starting to affect change. The, the uh, running back Kylan Hill at Mississippi State came out and said, I won't be playing football here if you don't change that state flag. What did they do? Change the state flag. One more note on football before we head to break. The state of Tennessee has delayed the start of its high school football season to September 18th. That coming out today. I saw that from uh, Nate Bryan, Nate, at Nate and Sports on Twitter. September 18th now, before there will be the first football game, at the earliest, the first football game, high school football game in Tennessee will be played, September 18th. That ruling in Tennessee, that decision affects 16 games involving Kentucky schools, including, you know, when, when football season starts up, high school football season starts up in Kentucky, we have all those bowl games, all those double headers, you know, one of them. I'm definitely very familiar with growing up in Whitley County, playing at Williamsburg. Cumberland Falls Pigskin Classic in Corbin. Well, the two games it had were both against Tennessee schools. Corbin was scheduled to play somebody from Tennessee, losing both of its games now. So there are 16 different games. Clay County had a couple. Fulton uh, City had uh, three, I believe, against Tennessee schools. Williamsburg had one. Whitley County had one. Uh, those games are going to have to either be rescheduled or just off the schedule, canceled. All right, when we return here on Locked on Kentucky, the Senate hearing on name, image, and likeness, which included SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey. Um, a few big things to come out of that. I'll discuss those with you next here on Locked on Kentucky. This is Locked on Kentucky. Your team every day. Back here on Lockdown, Kentucky, a U.S. Senate committee heard uh, had a hearing on Wednesday on name, image, and likeness for college athletes. U.S. Senate committee had a 20-question survey on name, image, and likeness that was sent out to officials at 50 NCAA conference uh, conferences, associations, universities, colleges, and those numbers came back, and now they had this hearing. Well. Some of those reported by Ross Dellinger of SI.com. I know I've used him uh, quite a bit in this podcast, but he has, he's been on top of a few things here, like this U.S. Senate uh, hearing. He was live tweeting from it, and that's the, I'll, I'll get to that. And then he also wrote an article on it. Uh, and in it, he said less than half of the NCAA leaders that were given that survey say they actually support the modernization of name, image, and likeness. Less than half. More than 80% survey believe the NIL rules will have a negative impact on amateurism. So it's almost like they don't really want to do it, but what are they going to do? They got to do it. It's kind of the feeling uh, from this survey. But uh, Republican Senator Roger Wicker of Mississippi, he's the chairman of the Senate Committee on Commerce, Science, and Transportation, and that is the committee that controls any NIL legislation in con Congress. You know, Florida has already passed its own NIL laws, and those will take effect 
in July of 2021. California already did it. They were the first to do it. But that doesn't go into effect until 2023. But what California did was get the ball rolling on this. And what Florida did is put a timeline on it. Florida said, next July, we're going to do this. And that prompted Greg Sankey uh, to write to Congress and say, we need a federal NIL bill so that we don't have 50 different states doing 50 different things. We need a federal uniform bill on this. So the hearing held Wednesday was with SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey, I mean the Senate Committee, and then Greg Sankey was there, Ole Miss Athletic Director Keith Carter, Ohio State President Michael Drake, among those there. Sankey requested that one of the Senate Committee, that students cannot become employees and must continue to emphasize athletes' academic progress. Also, don't allow pay-for-play scheme and must keep NIL out of recruiting and also needing this universal federal law. Senator Marsha Blackburn, a Republican of Tennessee, asked everyone on the panel if they believe athletes should be compensated on name, image, and likeness. Everyone said yes, except Sankey, who said, quote, I'm working toward a yes. Uh, Then Sankey told Senator Shelley Moore Capito that he's concerned the amount of national, uh, of, of NIL around football and men's basketball will pull away funding from women's sports, I guess, meaning the pool of money, you know, in every marketplace, there's a pool of available financing for advertising, you know, an advertising budget, a pie. So I guess what he's saying there is he's concerned that a larger portion of the pie will go to football, men's basketball, leaving very little for women's sports. But I mean, essentially name, image, and likeness is market driven. That That's what this is. That's the solution. So there's really no fairness about it. I mean, it's going to pull away funding for women's sports if it does that, but you're also not going to get or backup punter. is <laughs> not going to get anything out of this either. Um, Sankey says also the agent part of NIL is going to be an issue that they've had those issues arrive in the sec in the past where people have tried to go through the back door, which you could, you could understand that because I mean, you're, you're going to need an agent. I mean, you can't expect uh 18, 19, 20, even a 21 year old, not all of them, some more than capable, but not all of them on the whole to be able to manage everything they're managing and then try to negotiate contracts uh, on their name, image, and likeness. I mean, even the smartest of the kids is going to struggle with, you know, the legalese of contract talk, you know, all that goes into that and what you're signing, what you get yourself into and all that. You're going to need an agent for that. You just are. Uh, Former Miami player Eric Winston, talking about the time demands, uh, arguing that if we're asking athletes to sign these COVID-19 waivers, but they can't balance tweeting something out for $100 and still go to class. Okay, so to understand all that, we're talking one about Ohio State's Buckeye Pledge. I'm sure you've heard about that. It's, It's essentially a waiver saying, hey, you can't hold Ohio State responsible if you don't comply. If you don't follow our guidelines and do these things we're telling you to do, you can't come back around and say, oh, Ohio State football gave me COVID-19. Can't hold us liable. 
So you're going to ask those players to sign those waivers, but at the same time, they can't tweet something out for a hundred dollar endorsement and still be able to go to class. That was former Miami player, Eric Winston's kind of uh, retort there, which that's, that's something Senator Roger Wicker. He is an old miss graduate. Remember I said, he's the chairman of the Senate committee. And he said, if I had, remember he's an old miss grad. If I had the money as a local businessman, I'd want to pay a hundred dollars to every member of the old miss football team to tweet something out on my behalf. I wonder if that's where we're heading. He said, you know, how easy is that for an athlete? Uh, you know, Terry Wilson, um, AJ Rose, uh, you know, think, think of Lynn Bowden, what he could have done just to tweet something out. And every time he tweets something out for a car dealership in Lexington, he says, um, just a simple tweet. I would buy all my cars here. These guys are great, whatever. And get a hundred bucks for it. So Senator Wicker then moves on and asks, uh, or this is, I think earlier in the, the proceeding, he asked Ohio state president, Michael Drake, how many of 22 football starters would really benefit from NIL? And you know what he said? Three to four. Are you kidding me? Three to four Ohio State football players would actually benefit from name, image, and likeness? No way. Three to four per side of the ball. Three to four offensive players. Three to four defensive players. More than that. When it comes to advertising... And, and you're talking about college kids where they're looking for any buck they can get. Are you telling me the kicker couldn't use a couple hundred bucks a month or any player? It doesn't matter. Anyone. I, I don't know how he could respond that way. I just, I, it baffles me that he responded that way. So then um, Democratic Senator from Connecticut, Richard Blumenthal, came at Ohio State President Michael Drake about this Buckeye pledge and said that they're waivers. They are in effect a waiver, which as I discussed a minute ago, they pretty much are. Um, and then there was a, a back and forth regarding the COVID testing and then reporting cases um, by school, like how, how schools should report cases. I, I don't know if you remember this, but um, I think it, my co-host here normally who is sick today, uh, Kyle Tucker, uh, a while back, he had asked, requested, you know, how many guys have gotten, how many football players have been, um, do you have with COVID-19? How many football players who came back have, how many cases have you found? And they said, rather than answer questions about how many cases we have, we're going to, uh, we'll let you know. So there was a little discussion back and forth here. Like one senator says, "Are you, and this is, he's talking to the Ohio State President, Drake. So are you going to commit to requiring all colleges to disclose the number of COVID-19 cases that occur at their schools? And he says, well, that's HIPAA. Well, you can't say individual players, uh, but he says, I think disclosing information is useful. So you will commit to requiring them to report those cases? He says, I think that would be difficult. How could I commit to doing? I don't know what authority I would have to, and the senator says, to disclose publicly, to require them to report and disclose it publicly. OSU president comes back. I believe it's appropriate for the schools to report with proper privacy protections for the individual in place. And the senator says, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. General numbers. They should be reporting. All right. Well, that's pretty much all I have on uh, on those topics. Uh, we're going to see much more 
much more. I mean, we just don't know where we're going with this. It's just so up in the air. All, all we can really do is hope that uh, everyone does their part, pulls together, and uh, we see a big change in the next two months. But but it's a long way to go. Long way to go to uh, September. It's a long way to go to November for college basketball season. This won't be the uh, won't be the last time we discuss it here on the Lockdown Kentucky podcast. But thanks for listening. Hit us up on Twitter. Uh, I am at D R I E F F E R. Kyle is at Kyle underscore A T H. I believe I can't remember. You, you just search Kyle Tucker, you'll find him. But if you want us to uh, discuss a particular topic, ask us a question. We'll answer it here. Uh, and then also uh, on Friday, if Kyle is is able to join me and feels better, well, we'll discuss the survey that he did on The Athletic with all kinds of questions for UK fans, football and basketball. And uh, just by Monday, he had already had 500 responses. He could have a lot more uh, by now, and he's going to mine through that that information if he, if he can. And uh, some interesting stuff on, on several different topics that we'll discuss on Friday's Locked on Kentucky, if if Kyle can can do it. Uh, so thanks for listening. In the meantime, tell your smart device to play the latest episode of Locked On NFL. Talk to you Friday. You are Locked On Kentucky. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcast Locked On. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea.